Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. We're putting up new buildings, we're knocking down the old We're working in the summer heat and in the winter cold And the labour power we sell, me boys, for a hard and weekly pay Produces mighty profits for the greedy MBA And whether we were born here or born in Italy in Greece, in Spain, or Ireland, in England, or Fiji We all of us are workers, united we must stand Until the wealthy bludgers have been driven from our land We faced deregistration, it backfired in the face We're not fooled by arbitration, we won't stay in our place we hit the bosses hard and fast to win and keep our gains And break a couple of concrete pours to back our lug of claims So keep your powder dry and hold your head up high It's glass to glass and face to face, our limit is the sky We've got a fighting history and we never will be cowed Our builder's labour is a name to make a man feel proud Welcome to Creatures of the Industry. Today we are doing a special episode to commemorate the Westgate Bridge disaster in 1970. The 15th of October 1970 to be precise. This special episode is a series of interviews that were done for other 3CR programs on the day and we've brought them together to make up this special commemoration episode. Our first interview is with Pat Preston, a person who has previously appeared on Creatures of the Industry and talked about the Westgate Bridge disaster, but here we are on the day talking to Pat at the point where the actual uh, collapse took place and Pat was very close to it, a witness to the whole thing. And uh, we'll cross now to Pat. And now I'm talking to Pat Preston and Paddy. We're standing uh, adjacent to the memorial and uh, we're standing near a spot that means a bit to you. Yes, it's, uh, this is uh, the very same spot that I was standing on when the, when the bridge came down. Uh, um, it's uh, a bit ironic that it's also where we uh, uh, the smoking fire was uh, was today, uh, where the where the smoking ceremony took place. It's right smack where I was standing, and a meter in front of me it was uh, where Ian Miller landed, uh, and to my, the right of me is uh, where Ross Bigmore landed. So it's uh, it's uh, it's one of those spots which uh, I guess you you say is uh, it's sacred, like uh, like the uh, like this memorial is to building workers. And a most extraordinary coincidence. It literally, as we stand here now, 
where the fire was for the smoking ceremony is exactly where you were standing. And you, you were a bit shocked at that. Yeah. Yes, it, it, uh, it brought back uh, the memory of the day straight away when I seen where the fire was. So, on the day, before you get here, how do you feel? Oh, it's uh, just like any other other day until uh, we start driving uh, driving here there and then you sort of uh, your mind gets cast back to uh, uh, to that day and uh, just what you was doing at that time in fact we were talking uh, as the fire was being uh, lit and uh, straight away your memory said that came to you and you said to me that's the spot yeah, no, that's that, yeah, that's 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 smack on yeah yeah crystal clear it was but can I also ask you, after the ceremony's over, how do you feel then? Oh, it's, uh, oh, it's just one... Oh, it's, it's hard to describe, really. It really is. It's, uh, I mean, we, after the ceremony, we, uh, we see faces which, uh, although they're hard to recognise now, we're all grey and a bit bent over, but uh, we see faces and you sort of remember where you've seen them back on that day. Um, and how do you feel when you see all the families and the grandkids and all the rest of it? Does that make you? Does that, is that a bit more uplifting? Oh yes, look, it's 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 great, it's fantastic. Uh, year after year, it's good to see uh, uh, not only the sons and daughters, but now the grandkids. And uh, even today, I've got three of uh, uh, two of my grandkids have turned up, uh, and this is their first time, and it's. It's just uh, uh, good because uh, it means that next year and the year after and 50 years' time, uh, we'll still have people coming there and remembering the guys who lost their lives on this day. So um, it, it's a good feeling to think that uh, uh, although it's a sad day, it's also a day when uh, uh, it's going to go on and on. On that very positive note, Pat Preston, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Ralph. Our next interview is Graham Cole, generally known as Coke, uh, for the very good reason that he drank a lot of Coca-Cola over the years. And uh, Graham's first big job was actually on the Westgate Bridge when construction recommenced after the uh, collapse and after all the uh, clean-up that took place. And so Graham was actually on the job and he uh, grew up on that job, as he says. He learned a lot about construction and the people in it. And I'm talking down at the Westgate Memorial Park to an old mate of mine, Coke. Coke. Graham, how are you? I'm good. Good, Ralphie. Yourself? Very good indeed. And I'm wondering... Uh, how many years do you reckon you've been coming down to the memorial service? Oh, on and off uh, the the forty odd years. I've missed a few here and there, but yeah, that's basically. If I forget, you forget. But yeah, generally most of them. Right. Now you worked on the bridge. Yes. And can you remember which years they were? I started on the bridge after the inquiry in '78. I was an apprentice when it fell at the railways and uh, we heard about it and rode, I rode down on my bike actually that day. We couldn't get in, they had it all barricaded off. 
But uh, yeah, uh, so with the inquiry took about three years. We started on the um, Port Melbourne side in 78. No, no, not 78. I worked on it for four years, so 74, yeah, straight yeah. after the, it opened up again, yeah. Right, so in all those years, obviously the bridge has changed and as we stand here today, the uh, work is still going on on the bridge. How does that make you feel? I'm wrapped, really, because it's one of the... This, the Westgate Bridge is one of the only bridges around the world that works at full capacity, or oh, has for most of its life, so... It's great to see him uh, keeping the maintenance up on it and re-strengthening it, keep painting it, you know. Where would we be without it, really? The West, a a very it. good point. So when you get down here, obviously you weren't on site on the day of the collapse, but no. you're very much a part of the construction of the Westgate Bridge. So how do you feel when you come down to uh, today's memorial service? Well, you know... you. you you do get a little emotional for the guys that lost their lives. I know I, I was only very young when it happened. I was only an apprentice. But um, to work on it when it reopened and, and um, remember all the guys that lost their lives on it, it's, it's a privilege to come down and, and honour them, you know. Graham, Cole, otherwise known as Coke, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Ralphie. No worries, mate. Our next interview, Dave Pennell. Dave Pennell's a uh, metal worker, bloke I've worked with over the years, and uh, Dave is also a member of the Westgate Commemoration Committee, and uh, he has had a long experience in the industry, and uh, I think he'd be a valuable uh, addition to the committee. G'day, I'm down here at the uh, bridge talking to Dave Pennell. Dave, how are you? Good, Ralph. Yourself? I'm not bad. Now, let's talk about today. It's a uh, obviously a very important day because it's the 52nd anniversary. How are you feeling about it? I've got mixed emotions, Ralph, because uh, you know I was on the bridge myself for nearly four years, and I know a lot of the old fellas, and a lot of them some aren't here now. You know, have yeah. passed on. Um, the tragedy itself is embedded in all our lives, right? And you know, it's a. I, I like to think that all those lives weren't lost for the reasons that we made health and safety much better in in industry and hopefully in manufacturing. You know, so you know, it's a it's a tragedy to lose those people, but maybe there's some good out of it. Well, looking around, there's an awful lot of people here today who I know in in the industry who worked on the bridge but also worked in the industry generally and uh, the fact that we're still here is a bloody good thing. It is. It is a very good theme and as you know we've, we've worked together in different areas over the years and uh, I've always worked in this area, Altona, Williamstown, Yarraville, you know, and it's, uh, it's supplied a good uh, income for my family and I'm really pleased and I've met a lot of great people and that's why I, I got on the committee for the Westgate, you know, so... Um, I could give something back somewhere. No worries. Now, looking around today, uh, it's uh, right in the middle of another construction phase. How does that make you feel? Well, it makes me feel good because someone's got a job. Good point. (laughs) So I think that if they... All I ask them to do is to treat the place with respect. 
And that's the main thing, because work's got to get done, but treat it with respect, you know. Unfortunately, of course, uh, someone decided to come down and uh, paint some tags on the uh, concreted area underneath the bridge, adjacent to the uh, the plaque. But uh, Vic Rose, to their credit, have cleaned it up and uh, repainted it, and uh, for today it's looking good. Yeah, uh, kudos to Vic Rhodes and... Uh, to those people that did it, you need to have a good look at yourselves. Yeah. Rightio. On that note, thank you very much, and uh, let's uh, get on with the ceremony, yeah? Thanks, Rolf. And just when I thought I'd escaped the Pennell family, along came his brother Mark, and Mark is also a metal worker, boiler maker, who I've worked with over the years and uh, who has been involved in uh, a few issues around the Westgate Bridge, including the last big dispute on the Westgate Bridge going back to about uh, no, uh, 2010, I think it was. And uh, we've built the bridge, we've maintained the bridge, and we have rebuilt and strengthened the bridge. There's been a lot of work on this bridge, as Mark says. Well, here we are. We're now talking to Mark Pennell, the brother of... David Pennell. Yes, and uh, the whole panel family's down here today because this is a significant uh, episode in everyone's life, whether they were actual participants or not. That's correct, Ed. Old Johnny, the old man, he'd be uh, up in heaven having a look down and, and uh, you know, he used to come to every, every Westgate Bridge Memorial, every Westgate Bridge. He worked on the, the build-up, on the, on the restart, and, um, and I happened to get a little bit on the, um, the last start of the uh, John Holland's job. But, yeah, but uh, it means so much to us. I was five when the bridge went down, Ralph, and, uh, you know, and being part of the union with the metal trades, it's always been an important part of my life as safety on the job. You know, to be safe yourself, uh, you don't have to always call the union. Sometimes you've got to make those decisions yourself to to be safe. But, uh, yeah, this is like our Anzac Day for the construction industry. So uh, very important day. So the Pennells have actually been a family of boilermakers for several generations now. Correct, Ralph. Yeah, yeah, a long time. Yeah, Jimmy O'Neill got my start at World Services at Altona um, in the ref- at Mobile Refinery before Transfield got in there and wrecked it. But um, anyway, that's the way it was. But uh, no, look, I, I was brought up through the old man and brother David. We always had that political uh, background, you know, union always orientated. In our heads, Dad always, you know, at the at the at the table at dinner time, we'd have, you know, welding flashes going on all, all night long because we'd be all boiler makers, you know, talking about the job. But anyway, I think I've got to stop here because uh, we're going to start right. talking, Ralph. So we're going to start. Thanks very much, Mark. The Hannafy family. Well, there's an interview coming up with the great Paddy Hannafy and his lovely wife and. We will be doing that just before Christmas, but uh, on the day, I interviewed Paddy Hannafy and uh, two of his kids, Denise and young Patrick, and they uh, also gave an added perspective to the disaster and what it meant to so many families and so many lives in Melbourne at the time. And uh, I'm now talking to the whole Hannafy family. Hannah Fee, I'm getting corrected here. So we'll start off by introducing everybody. First of all, the patriarch of the family, 
Patty. The smallest man in the family. <laughs> and we're going to also talk to Denise. Hello. And young Patrick. Hello. Righto. Now, today's a big day in the family and has been for a very long time. So when you get to the memorial service each year, maybe when you're on your way, how do you actually feel about the day? I I think I feel a a sense of sadness for those families. You know, for instance, Dad's up to his great-grandchildren now and there's, you know, 35 families that didn't even get to see their, their children grow up, least of all see their grandchildren. Or So I get a bit upset. Now, young Patrick, when you're coming, you're bringing your kids today. How do you feel? I, I do. I feel sad. It is a very sad day for the construction industry. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's all I can pretty much say. But, yeah. And the man himself, you've been uh, involved one, as a survivor of the collapse, but also as a regular participant in the memorial service. When you get up in the morning, how do you feel, Paddy? Oh, I feel sad. It's very sad. For all the friends I've had that got killed on the bridge. Now, can I put the same question to all three of you? At the end of the ceremony, when you're on your way home, do you still feel sad or do you, do you have other feelings as well? Well, I think I'd like to say that it's a bit of a bittersweet. Uh, it's a double-edged sword because um, I think what a lot of people don't realise is uh, the workforce at the Westgate Bridge was made up of migrants in you know, a, l- a large extent. And um, you know a lot of people from the UK, from Ireland, from Wales, a lot of them were on the hostels together. So it's a st- it's a, there's a, an underlying story of migration there. Um, and families like us who, who didn't have aunts or uncles in the country... But we considered um, a lot of the people that my father worked with as, as close family friends, as aunties and uncles. So this is an opportunity for us to reconnect with them, reconnect with their kids, and um, reconnect with the grand with, with the grandkids. So now the grandkids are all are, are all connected with each other. They're on Facebook, and so it's bittersweet. Coming down is, is sad. But going away, we're, we're happy. So, for instance, today I, I, I met the Littles. I'd never met the Littles before, and I met um, Nathan Little and his daughter and his grandchild. And that's lovely. That's lovely for us to, to connect that way. Come on, Patty. Come and have a think about it. Oh, you look, it's always in the back of your mind, you know. I'm, I'm in the construction industry as well. And, you know, it's something that we should never forget. Um, you know, it's part of Australia's history, but it is great to see the younger generation coming through now and, and being part of this um, ceremony. And, you know, it's going to be very sad to see the last of the men go. So I think it's in ourselves to all come together and, you know, as unions and, and people that work in the industry to come get together and, and keep up uh, with the memorial. And uh, the Patriarch, how do you feel at the end of it? bit confused, I'm sure, but I'm confused, yes. I am confused. But good and bad, yes? Good. Now, in terms of the ceremony, 
How did you think the uh, today went with the smoking ceremony and uh, the other speakers and so on? I think it was great to have the Aboriginals part of this this great land that we live in. Um, once it was theirs and it will always remain theirs in my eyes. But um, I, I think the whole ceremony was great and I think it's great for the community and the union and the whole workforce. Um, like Patrick, I, I was delighted to see uh, a representation from the Indigenous community just to remind us that you know, it's a, it's a sacred spot, spot to them long before it was a sacred spot to us. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was the great, the smoking ceremony and the bit of the chat about the, you know, what is pulled up out of the era because it was in very, very important place to the Indigenous people. So, um, and, you know, it's not the only, not the only industrial accident to happen in that vicinity. So uh, it's interesting to see, it'd be interesting to see exactly how the Indigenous and the clans feel about that, feel about that area themselves. And I, I, I really like that the Aboriginals are starting to grow in the actual construction industry. And there's more of them, there's more union reps, because they are great people. And I also, look, I was a boxer once upon a time, and I boxed with some of the best amateur boxers in Australia, and majority of them You're were right. Aboriginal boys. So, yeah, I, you know, the Aboriginals and the Irish, they get on very well. So, Paddy, how do you feel about uh, the ceremony today? Very good. Very good. With the Aboriginal and some Irish, some English and plenty of Aussies. And just on what was said towards the end of the ceremony about someone uh, graffitiing the walls around the plaque and uh, some of the other uh, areas adjacent to it, how did you feel about that? I felt bad when Pat Preston told me on the phone last night. I don't know. Some people are sick. You know, they don't only do that to go through graveyards and do it too. However, Vic Rhodes got onto the job, and I think Vic Rhodes do come under criticism. I've criticised them myself in the past for all sorts of industrial matters, but when it came to fixing things up and making it right for the day, I think they did a pretty good job, yeah? yeah. Yes, they did. They've done a good job. Now... Just to finish off, do you think the ceremony, the memorial ceremony that we have each year, can keep going? Do you, are we all confident about that? Well, I'll keep coming. Most certainly. I'm now 42 years of age. My father is now 83. And I vow to be here for the 100th anniversary. And so will the Aboriginals. I hope to see you for another 10 years. You're not very, you're not very ambitious, are you? Hey? I hope to see all of them too. See you, Paddy. Righto. We've just been talking to the Hanapi family, and I'd like to... Hanapi family. Right, and uh, it's a terrific thing for everyone to uh, get down to the ceremony today. It was a really good a really good day in that sense. Thank you, one and all. Thanks, Ralph. And our last interview is Vince Roneswarn. And this has been saved to the end because this is an extraordinary story of one person surviving the disaster. Now, I'm not going to say any more, but this is Vince's first visit to the Westgate Bridge since the collapse and when he nearly died. 
And Vince has always taken an interest in what happened, but he just couldn't bring himself over the years to come. But he decided to come for the 50th anniversary, but of course that was then cancelled due to the COVID-19 epidemic and all the lockdowns. But this year, the 52nd anniversary, Vince has come down and uh, he says, as you'll hear, he's very glad he did. And now we're going to have a chat to Vince Rosewan. Now, Vince, you're down from Queensland for your first visit to the memorial service and uh, you worked on the Westgate Bridge. When was that about? I worked on, I was driving the crane on top of the bridge at the time of the accident. So that was a stiff leg derrick? It was, yeah. It was a 130 tonne stiff leg derrick, twin drum, uh, hoit, uh, luff, uh, they had a luffer, and three drums. It was two for the hook and one, one for the jib. And you had a hand slew. So it was a fairly primitive piece of equipment. Well, it was. It was primitive. And to slew the crane, you had an old, what they used to have, a, a, an old winch, an old crab winch they used to use on, on barges, on floating barges. And you had to put an air gun on it to, and to turn, turn the crane whichever way you wanted to go left or right. So it wasn't real quick either? It was not. <laughs> So you were driving the stiff leg, putting uh, sections into place. At, no, no, I wasn't. Not not on this. Uh, on the Port Melbourne side, they were putting sections in and extending out to the next pylon. The crane that I was on, we'd put together with the crane on, and we're just joining it together so we could extend. But we never got to that stage because when we brought the two sections up to join together, one came up flat and one had an upward deflection in it. So under their wisdom, they decided to counterweight one half section to, to weigh it down. But instead of putting the concrete blocks staggered along the bridge, they put it in one area was caused to buckle in a half span. But it sunk the bridge down sufficiently to roll it together so they can join the inner diaphragms and the bottom splice plates and three quarters of the top. So then where the buckle was, they, they had to work out how to do that. So they decided, under their wisdom, they were going to undo the top splice where the buckle was and heated up and put a big, bigger splice plate to join that bridge section up. But when they started undoing it, evidently in the inquiry come out is that the bolt started, like the steel started to spread and it used to go blue. And Jack Hinshaw, who was the designer of the bridge at that time, decided, they said, shall we get the boys off the bridge? And they said, no, 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 we'll just bolt it up again. And then we'll come up with another theory. But that little bit that they took off, they couldn't bolt it up again. And it just folded in the middle. And then it, when it collapsed, it slid down, it come off the hard concrete pole. And the one, the, the pier underneath, 
the front of it that was on the expanse, it was an expansion joint. So it was held up by pre-stressed cables. So when the cable snapped, that went that way and the bridge come down, sliding down. But so it come down and it hit and then the crane broke away and I got thrown out and I landed in some wire netting on the railway line where we used to bring the sections along before we'd put them up. So that railway line, correct me if I'm wrong, was along Hyde Street? No, it was beside the bridge. So in Hyde Street, underneath the bridge, beside... beside, Yeah, it was beside it, yeah. Yeah, Hyde Street run around, and that was directly beside there, yeah. I used to float the sections across on a barge from the bridge, and then put them on the railway line, preventing on the tide, and then we'd roll them along in sections, and then we'd just bolt them together before we jacked up on top of the building. So when it ca- the section came down with the crane, it was immediately underneath what is now the column or the support for the bridge where the uh, plate commemorating those that died is actually fastened. Well, that was the last, that was the last of the concrete approaches, pylon, and then we had the steel section started from that pylon out to the next one, which was the expansion joint column. So that one, when when the bridge come down, it, it sort of it held the front the front section up until that column went over, and then it slid down in like a, a half banana shape. Uh, and then when the crane broke down, it because the heaviest part of the crane was the jib, and it swung down, and I got thrown over side. So how far did you actually fall? Well, as I say, all I know, I was in the cabin of the crane, which was an open-air cabin. When it started to get, I, I jumped off, got out of the cabin and hung onto the back frame of the crane. And, and that's basically all I remember until I was in hospital and they was asking me what religion I am. And I told them, pissed off I said give me something for me pain <laughs> so you hit the the wire netting yeah well the wire netting the boys told me that um, we used to have we had the big railway line to come in with all sections on and it used to be like a 12 by 12 sections and and, and it ran from the water edge right up to Hyde Street then we used to bring right the sections up together and then what had happened was we had a walkway down the middle of the railway line and we put a a wire mesh from the walkway to the edge of the rail where when the boys were bolting up with the air impact guns that if they dropped something like it, it would land in the wire netting and rather go through to the rocks and the mud in the bottom so it did a good job catching you. It did. They tell me it bounced like a trampoline. I don't know. <laughs> but at least you're here to laugh about it now. But at the time, what were your injuries? Um, at the time, the injuries, I just said I got, um, I got the left arm was broken in three places, from the elbow to the shoulder. Uh, my, right, my right arm was broken. 
wrist was broken in five places and also the, the upper arm was broken once. I had a ruptured knee and a broken leg on the left knee and I had uh, 13 ribs, cracked crack spine, fractured pelvis and uh, punctured lung. But it did no damage to your head. Well, <laughs> I got a broken nose. <laughs> That's about the best I got. <laughs> well, brother, that is an amazing story. How long did it take you to actually recover from all of those injuries? Well, thanks. well, we come, we come down in the 15th of October was the, the date of the, the accident and I was in hospital. I got out um, on the 23rd of December. Uh, I, I had a hospital and, and then I, I went home to my brother's place at Hastings down the Mornings Peninsula and then in the new year I started rehabilitation which I had uh, 10 months of rehabilitation at uh, Brighton Rehabilitation Centre and I used to do five days in and go home for the weekend and so I was I started back to work when I first started I went back and saw Walter Wright because they told me that I could never drive a crane again I'd never be able to climb again I can't do this and I'm uneducated and so I said, you can all go to buggery. I'm going to go back. And they go, no, I can't work under the roof. So I went back and Georgie Sharman, who was driving the limer on the bridge at the time, the accident, become, he couldn't drive a crane anymore after that. And he became a supervisor with Wilder Rights. And so I went and saw George and he said, how's your nerves been? I said, well, I really don't know. So he said, I've got a good job for you. So he put me in an Austin Western, a little rough terrain crane, in, in Footscray shunting yard. So every time the trains hit and shunted up, I, I flew out of the cabin and kept running. I just didn't want to stop. <laughs> and then I'd go back in the afternoon and George would say, how's your nerves then after shaking and trying to settle down? Oh, not bad, they're getting better. <laughs> so I persisted this for three months and where I wouldn't let the lever go and slowly I, I come back and then it got too cold for me so I moved the Gold Coast and end up uh, building oh, 17, 18 high rise up there driving a crane for progress and properties. So, so, so you went on a tower crane up on the Gold Coast? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I was up there for a long time. An old Fafco? Yep. Old Fafco. Hey. You can stick these Jap- uh, Chinese little bloody hammerheads up, mate. You can't beat a Favco any day. Understand exactly where you're coming from, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've done my time on a Favco, and uh, I've got to say, diesel beats electric. Yep. Oh, mate, any day. Any day. I, I had one job on the Gold Coast, and the exhaust was... was uh, uh, Project Tire, which was an offshoot of EA Watts in the old days. Anyway, uh, I had an injectors leaking and it threw all um, all the diesel in the muffler. Anyway, so the muffler muffler caught fire, so we're in the middle of the concrete pour. So I had to get up and disconnect the muffler, 
kick it off, spin it around, and let it burn out. Uh, and then I, I drove because the old, the old 355 guys, they had GMs in those oh. days, and they just screamed. And so I drove all day, finishing this 550 metre concrete pour, and then I was deaf for about a week. I couldn't hear a signal, so I had to take a sickie. <laughs> well, brother, the story so far is amazing, and the capacity to survive and carry on regardless is extraordinary. But how did you feel when you came down to the memorial service today? Because this was your first one uh, since the accident, and what was your feelings on the way there and then how do you feel now after the event? Well I I decided to come down I tried to come down for the 50th anniversary and because of COVID we couldn't do this and so now so we had basically three in one today and to me it was very emotional even now thinking about it and to look at the bridge and where I, where I survived and the people who turned up. Now, to me, it's worth every little bit to remember all the people who died and see a few survivors. And that's one of the main reasons I come down is to see who was still with me. Huh? Well, there's a few still... Uh Hanging around, and uh, I've interviewed a fair few of them over the journey, and uh, it's great to add to the collection today with your story because it, it is an amazing story because to come down all that way, to be caught by chicken wire and survive, mate, you're a miracle. Yeah, well, thanks for that, but the point I come down for is, is the remembrance of all my mates I work with. You know, like... A lot, of, a lot of all the rigging crew, they used to do the carbon black and all the shutdowns and, you know, Ampole and all that around here, you know, and, I mean, a lot of them all Irish and, of course, when we had, we had a great speaker at the meeting the other day, he was the chief of the union sort of thing, but, of course, he was Irish. You couldn't have a union rep without being Irish here at the Gold Coast <laughs> in Brisbane. <laughs> So you've caught up with a few of the blokes you worked with? Uh, yes, I had a lovely time speaking to a few of the boys and uh, the memories um, is great and you know, just to see everyone and see how we are. We're all getting old, we're all, all having operations and trying to maintain our sanity But so we keep having the beer and waking up every day and say... It's a good day. And a few of the other uh, survivors and members of their families have all made a comment that the fact that the ceremony is still going 50 years later, the turn up today was really good, and a whole lot of generations, the children, the grandchildren, in some cases the great-grandchildren are all there, suggests that the uh, ceremony and the whole history of the bridge and what happened is going to be remembered for a very, very long time. Well, I, I was surprised the amount of young kids that were there today. And as you say, the great-great-grandchildren or whatever. Um, but to see 
to keep keep the bridge alive, keep the memories alive of people who died on this bridge, you can't better that. And I mean, 52 years down the road, we're still celebrating you know, the lives of these people who passed away. And you can't get any better than that. And with that, Vince, I'd like to thank you for your contribution and uh, hopefully we will find some ways to uh, immortalise all these stories because they are great stories of survival. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to a series of interviews that I took on the day of the 15th of October, the commemoration day for the Westgate Bridge disaster. Thank you for listening and don't ever forget, this commemoration is of the worst industrial disaster that's ever taken place in this city and it has a lot of lessons which everyone should remember. The cheapest way to learn is from the experience of others and the experience that you've heard in these interviews and in some of the other interviews we've done on creatures of the industry should all help you to understand not only that tragic event but also the need for people to have proper control of their working lives and the occupational health and safety issues that face them every day. Thanks for listening to Creatures of the Industry. We're putting up new buildings, we're knocking down the old We're working in the summer heat and in the winter cold And the labour power we sell, me boys, for a hard and weekly pay Produces mighty profits for the greedy MBA And whether we were born here or born in Italy in Greece, in Spain, or Ireland, in England, or Fiji. We all of us are workers, united we must stand, until the wealthy bludgers have been driven from our land. We faced deregistration, it backfired in the face. We're not fooled by arbitration, we won't stay in our place. We hit the bosses hard and fast to win and keep our gains And break a couple of concrete pours to back our lug of claims So keep your powder dry and hold your head up high It's glass to glass and face to face, our limit is the sky We've got a fighting history and we never will be cowed Our as labour is a name to make a man feel proud You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.